It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to Killer Fun. I'm Chrissy. I'm Jackie. And we're so glad you're back with us today. We have a fun Halloween treat in store for you. We watched the 2000 movie, What Lies Beneath, with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, what a cast. Oh, fun. Such a great paranormal thriller. I mean, it checks all the little boxes, but it's not bloody... No, Which is, I really appreciate. Also, not so much paranormal either. Well, yes, there's enough other stuff mixed in. There's a bit of a supernatural, but also kind of just the manifestation of our intuition. Aha! You know yes. what I mean? That's an astute observation. All right, so <laughs> I think it goes without saying, if you haven't seen this 18-year-old movie... It's going to be spoiled for you. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Here it is. It starts out as so many thrillers to rich people in an idyllic setting. I was just going to say, in a house I can't afford, but I love. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> On a lake. On a lake. Oh. It's gorgeous. And then it's got all the, like, thriller tropes of bad weather and creepy neighbors and I love creepy neighbors I love creepy neighbors too that was my favorite like one of my favorite movie red herrings was the whole neighbor in this so the neighbors are arguing and they talk about it Claire who's Michelle Pfeiffer and Norman who's Harrison Ford, are all like lovey-dovey watching them out the window as they argue and fight and then, you know, noisily fool around. Ooh, boy, yeah. do they ever. Well, you know, I guess, you know. It was the passionate love, which she kind of explains later. She, yeah. She kind of explains it. Yeah. The neighbor wife, she yeah. kind of explains yeah. it. Oh, it was, it's like it's, a passionate love that yes. we have. It's very volatile. And, yeah. Which, you know, I've read something not that recently like that came into fashion like in the 50s and 60s like the opposites attract thing and it was because it made for interesting movies and now they're finding that fewer and fewer people are actually following that model in real life it's starting to change a bit but it is it's the it's the romanticizing of marriage and love into Uh this place that says well um in order for it to be real it has to be Contentious. Yes. Like thrilling. And that that has to look a certain way. And there has to be this soulmate. I mean, basically, Hollywood invented kind of the soulmate idea. Yes. And they've been pushing it down our throat ever since. I know. You know, you think you have your soulmate. You think you have to find a soulmate. Well, you know what? You probably have dozens of soulmates. And they're not all romantic relationship people. That's so true. You're my soulmate. You are my soulmate. See? And I mean, it's not like... And it's not just one. There's, 
you know, you're one of my soulmates. You know what? We, we as humans, we kind of like to make lists yeah. of things that we need, right? And then we like to check off those things. And so the problem we have is that we have one slot for this one thing. And then we're not really open to how we might love other people yeah. because we want them to squeeze into a box, Right, we we miss out on a good friendship because we try to squeeze them into this other box. That's you very know, fair. I mean, it's kind of the opposite of being relegated to the friend zone. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. the other way. Sometimes I think people end up in relationships, but it's because they're trying to make it look right or go into this formula. Right, when really they're just great friends. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. I have a family member whose marriage is dissolving. And for that exact reason, they were like, well, we really, we love each other, but we don't like love, love each other, you know, to put it in junior high terms. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like, like her? Yeah, exactly. Check yes or no. Or maybe. (laughs) Well, and I wonder if that's maybe not some of what was going on with Claire in this movie is that she was expecting Norman to be a lot of things for her. She gave up her fabulous career as a concert cellist to be his wife because his job always took priority, which, you know, I can empathize. I understand that, you know, sometimes you give up something. Well, every couple has to kind of make that decision. Well, and every couple, every person in the couple should, you know, make some concessions for the other person in order to be able to have a really working, worthwhile relationship. Not to say that... Well, there's a little corporation involved with cooperation, which is what makes a marriage work. And it's a little sterile. We don't like that part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, some people do. Some people really thrive on that part of it, and then they're just ice cold, but... Um, that might be me. I'm not sure. No, um, but I don't think so. I, some people are very corporate about it, but you do have to be a little corporate about organizing, you know, so that your careers don't become a place of resentment. But in this case, see, even yeah. if you make the decision willingly over time, yeah, you can she go was, back. Yeah, she resented it. She resented it. Yeah, and you know, and maybe that was her choice, and maybe it wasn't just a resentment of him, but a resentment of herself and her own choices well she to be fair she was hitting that empty nest stage yeah where all of us as parents kind of go back and go did we prioritize our identity right yeah you know because you know you and i we've got less than a decade left before you know shut your dirty mouth (laughs) (laughs) see that's it right there it's such an urgent like 18 years. It really well and it really is. And you know, I think that I used to think when I was little, when my kids were little, that what am I going to do with myself when I don't have to, you know, do all this care for them? And even now, they're big. I don't have to do as much care for them. I still do plenty of care for them, don't get me wrong. But there's less of it and it's less urgent and it's less requiring so much of me. I can start to, you know, push off their laundry on them and they can, you know, you don't have to do with the family's dishes, but you have to put your own dishes in the dishwasher. You know, I mean, stuff like that. Yeah. Little you things know. that add up over yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just kind of building them into be, yeah, hopefully, individuals who'll be able to care for themselves at some point in the next as you say, decade. Oh, you said it. (laughs) (laughs) But I also kind of feel like 
now I really like my kids. And now <laughs> not that I didn't like them before. That I mean, and I know that's what you meant, but it was still kind of funny. <laughs> yes, and I realized as soon as you laughed how that sounded. <laughs> yeah. And I liked them before, but now I like really like who they are. They're interesting individuals. And I'll be sad when they no longer live in my house because they're fun and funny and silly. And as much as they drive me crazy sometimes, I, by and large, love having them around. They make us laugh. They make us laugh. Our kids make us laugh. Because they are. They're so individual and they have their own things. Your kids are hilarious. They are really funny. They're so funny. Boy, my oldest really cracks me up uh, all the way to school. He is because that's one of the things that's one of the concessions I've made is, you know what? I spend 15 hours a week at least in a car taking them to and from school because that's of a long where time. That's yeah. a part-time job. It is. And so because of where their schools are located, it ends up. But I do have a decent amount of time with each of them through the week based on when they get out because of extracurriculars or whatnot. Right. So every morning I have my oldest for a decent amount by myself with him, you mm-hmm. know? And, oh my gosh, we have some delightfully hilarious conversations, but he is so witty. No. He's just witty. No, he makes he jokes is. and he's yeah. funny. Yeah. See, and it's gonna when it comes to it, it's not that you're losing your identity. It's that you're losing a person in your life that you're used to sharing a home with. And I think that is what I'm coming to realize. I see a lot of parents who like, and that's where Michelle Pfeiffer was in this. Claire, she was really losing her identity as a mom because her daughter was going off to college and she no longer had her identity as a cellist Mm -hmm. of repute. That's not right. Is that right? No. (laughs) That's not right. You know what I mean? Yes. A cellist, a notable cellist. (laughs) I'm like... She's a cellist of repute. That doesn't no, sound right. Like but I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, and the I word will like, come to me. Yeah. Uh, when it does, let me know. That's where she is in her journey. And I feel like I'm hopefully not making that same mistake because... That's I, the problem. Yeah. I think that's why I'm so keen on this like less than a decade thing. Because yeah. it hit me about last year. That, oh my gosh, whatever I'm going to do next, I may need to consider, well, going back to school, which is what right. I've done to go and get my graduate degree and just to say, I need to plan for the rest of my life because A, I want the rest of my life to be a delight with my children as adults. That's right. the reward. We go through all of this, you know, one way street kind of relationship being yeah. the caregiver and the coach and all of these things. And hopefully when they're adults, we're friends. That's yeah. kind of the reward, yeah. you know, and then you get to be a, a force in their lives because of your relationship, not just because of your titles. Right. And so I'm looking forward to that, but who am I going to be at that point that makes me a friend they want to have? Right. And yeah. You want to be somebody who's interesting to be around and... And so if I'm just resentful and all, no, I miss you when you were young, that's not going to be something they want to be about. No, no. And I mean, I didn't get the point that she was like weepy. She had a really nice, close relationship. The brief moment that we see of it in this movie is like very little. But, and then, you know, all the weird stuff starts happening. The neighbors well, are arguing. That's what's interesting because she's in this emptiness period and now mm-hmm. she's able to think about things. 
And when she starts thinking about things, uh-huh. that's when she starts to realize that she had focused on being a mom. So as she starts to realize who she is, then she realizes who she is in her marriage mm-hmm. is not quite stable. Yeah, well, and not maybe what she pretended that it was. Exactly. Like she had a very rose-colored view of her and Norman's relationship. They were the perfect couple you know, as if there is such a thing. As if there is. But I love this because it really brought in the whole idea of this like repressed memory. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. that it's her intuition and the margin she has in her life to be able to start thinking about that, that it brings it up and it manifests in this very paranormal way <laughs> that she is her own ghost trying to tell her something. Oh, I feel like so you think it was her own ghost. I feel like it was her own ghost. Ooh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Kind of just coming back and trying to tell her, you know, this, you know, this, Uh huh. and you need to know this. You need to know this. It was almost an extension mm. of herself that went into the spirit world and said, look at this. Yeah, because she looked here. like her, mm-hmm. but a younger version and different colored eyes, yes. which they like played to the max in this movie. Anytime it was not Michelle Pfeiffer in Michelle Pfeiffer's body, her eye color changed. They yep. wanted to make a very sure that you could differentiate between who was wife and who was lover. I have to admit, I had kind of a, I kind of had a theory Oh, it didn't pan out. But oh, I thought, well, tell us your theory. I think another movie that needs to be made. So, about the time that we realize that she knows uh-huh. that Norman has cheated, right? That this girl is missing, right? That it's weird. Her husband may have gotten rid of this girl, and she starts being the girl. I had a thought: What if he killed the wife? And she's realizing that she's not the original wife, but that she's this girl who has been kidnapped from her own life. Ooh. I had this theory. Ooh. That's not what happened. No, it's not. But, but I thought, But wow. that's kind of fascinating. Would be a really I don't good know thought. how you would, like, get everybody else in the town in on it. I don't know, but... I don't know, but it seems like there, ooh, there's some inklings of a movie there. There is. Yeah. So, yeah. but I did, I thought they overplayed the whole opening of the door. She'd go to go in her front door and the door opened. It could have happened twice. And I think it happened three or four times. It happened too much, but it got me thinking about like living in haunted houses. Ooh. And <laughs> so I found an article from El Decor. Is my house haunted? Five signs you're not alone and how to fix it. So I read it with lots of skepticism, but it's kind of funny. Okay, pause. Okay. So do you ever watch movies where people talk to ghosts and think, that is not how I would talk to the ghost? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, I think I would have just a normal conversation with a ghost. Uh Like, I feel like if the ghost was there and I realized it, Mm -hmm. I think I'd be like, hey, Let's talk. You treat it like a roommate. A, quit breaking stuff. That's That's not helpful. Uh You know, I'll be happy to put a pen and a paper or put some, you know what? I'll throw some sugar on the ground and you can just write in the sugar. But quit breaking my stuff. I'm listening. Yeah. I think that's where I would go. Oh, that's nice. Okay. See... I'm not sure that I'm... I'm, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about all this. I've said before... I think there's weird stuff that happens in the world that we don't know how to explain. I don't know if we can contribute it to aliens or ghosts. 
I don't know. But I'm, I'm unwilling to rule it out completely, but I have... I land on the skeptical side of things. Well, you know, my dirty little secret is I love Ghost Whisperer. Oh, okay. Have you ever watched Ghost Whisperer? Uh, I think I watched it years and years ago, like, at a friend's house. She loved it. Okay. And this is where I think I, she talks to the ghost in a way that I am like... Me too. Because every time, every once in a while, somebody walks into her house in an inopportune moment, and she was like, I'm not working right now. <laughs> it's just hilarious. I totally it's resonate. So you need to watch that. It's a really good show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. okay. So hit play. I want to know. Okay. So if you spot an infinity number, you're, you might be haunted. Like you personally might be a haunted person. What's an so, infinity number? Like 1111 on the clock. Oh. oh, have you ever, have you not heard this? No. Have you not heard, oh, see, and I always heard that it was like, it was angels or a loved one talking to you. That if you looked at 1111 on a clock, either in the morning or in the evening, that especially if it happened more than once in a day, because it only happens twice a day, or if it happens like several days in a row, like 1111 every morning, you look at the clock, it's like somebody trying to talk to you talk to you or your angel trying to like get your attention is there any other numbers or is it just 11 11 um i don't know if there are any other numbers that's the only one i've ever heard about and that's the only one they mentioned in this article but you, I'm do sure you see my wheels turning because like, i'm doing math right now like i'm trying to think of 808 the would be i any, maybe any numbers that repeat 707 808 because it could be 222 yeah or 333 yeah 444, 555, but not so much 666. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> nope. Not that one. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> 7.06 p.m. Do you ever get weirded out when you're behind a license plate and it's 666 and you're like, who accepted this? I would turn that back in. I would too. There's, a, there's one at school. <laughs> and I will get behind this person in uh, carpool every once in a while. And it's KXX. And I was like, <laughs> absolutely not. Because if you're just looking at it, it looks like KKK. Oh. I'm like, uh-uh. Yeah, or, I you can legally or, turn those things in. I would absolutely have turned it back in. I'd have been like... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm not taking the thing that either looks like triple X or KKK. Nope. Not going to be on my car. Nope. Give it to somebody else. I don't want it. Right? Yeah. yeah. What do, who do I have to pay <laughs> to get rid of this? Because I'm willing to throw some money at this <laughs> to get rid of it. So, I don't know. That's the only one that they remember. That was okay. the only one I ever heard any mythology about. 
I think it's just really kind of coincidental. You have an internal clock that we don't realize is so accurate. And so if you're thinking about 1111, and if you've looked at the clock, you don't remember looking at it at 1105, because that number doesn't mean anything. But your little internal brain clock starts going. Yeah, I think there's a lot of coincidence there. But that is very interesting. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, so if anybody sees 1111, I want them to post. Oh, yeah, tell us at 1111 that, you know, you had a paranormal experience I want to know I want to know (laughs) Um, if you smell a scent that doesn't belong like cigarette smoke even though you don't smoke food your grandmother used to cook old spice stuff like that I was like well that's fair because it would be weird to smell those things but smell and memory are tied together so much so much like the nerves from your nose go into that part of your brain oh smell is a well and you it doesn't even have to be the exact same smell it can be a similar smell that then suddenly trigger those memories so that one's suspect it's a little suspect okay but yeah but let's keep going you can't explain faulty plumbing or electrical problems which i'm like i'm not that handy so i'm thinking just because i can't explain it doesn't mean that it's unexplainable Or that it's attributable to... I mean, I guess if you have like a flickering light, a circuit that wasn't going well, and it was rewired, and then it kept doing it... Even then. I mean, how old is your house? I don't know. I mean... Oh, man. We had a house built in 1868. Mm -hmm. Talk about some creative wiring. Yeah. Creative. So we had a hot tub, and it was it's a 110, and it's um, 29 inches high, so it goes through a door. Oh, okay. Right. So we had fancy. it. Well, it's kind of fancy, but up there, you know, a lot of three season rooms. And so this old, old house yeah. had a three season room. And by three nice. seasons, it's like it meant winter. You don't really want to sit there, but it had windows all around. And uh-huh. so the snow drift was up on the windows. Really? And so it was a great place for a hot tub. Yeah. Right. So you could go sit in the hot tub and be comfortable and see the snow. Right. Because the like, room was freezing. Oh. You could even open the windows to make sure it was really cold. And so it was, it was really nice. So we got that in there and we actually, um, it's, it's a 110, but you should still wire a dedicated plug to it. Right. Yeah. A dedicated circuit. So, um, we called an electrician and he went downstairs and he came back up and I'm like, any problems? And he says, just don't ever look at it. Just oh. trust me. <laughs> I was like, That's- now I don't. Now I, I think you've actually caused the opposite. And he said, this house is really old. You really don't want to know what I've done. Okay. Am I going to burn my house down? He said, no, we're safe. Just don't run the washer, the dishwasher, turn on that light and run the hot tub. Okay. And I said, so it's not quite a dedicated circuit. He said, it, can, it is kind of. As long as you're not running anything else. <laughs> it's dedicated as long as all the other stuff isn't on. Well, but the house had knob and tube. Wow. It had all kinds of mixes. And you know what, though? It's grandfathered in in certain ways and mm-hmm. whatnot. And so it passed. When we sold, it was... Or when when we sold it, everything was fine. And when we bought it, it had everything passed. So... Okay. Whatever. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. I think there's some suspectness there but whatever okay so if you wake up at the witching hour maureen hancock who is a spirit medium is who they interviewed for this article and she said that the veil between here and the spirit world 
is thinnest between 3 and 5 a.m., but most people are woken up between 3.15 and 3.30. Okay. So I'm kind of like This has happened. This has happened. Oh, this has happened? Were you woken up by like a spirit? Okay. Multiple times at 3 o'clock to 3.15, somewhere around there. Okay. There was a season of my life. Okay. Where I thought I heard something loud and it started to be awake. Nada. Nothing. I'd walk through the house. Nothing. And so I, I, I don't understand, right? Well, so in the Christian faith, there's this idea that because Christ died around 3 p.m., that 3 a.m. is the Satanist hour because it's the exact opposite. Okay. And so um, certain horror movies have kind of played this up. So yeah. it's entirely possible that I, like, watch The Exorcist and then... <laughs> I don't and know. In, yeah, internalized it somehow. But I have to say, like, I would wake up at 3 a.m. for a while, and it would be like this kind of cold sweat. I swear I heard something. Like, huh. it was really weird. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. I think it's just a, you know, insomnia, or again, that internal clock. The internal clock. The internal clock, Serenin. Yeah. <laughs> well, and who knows how many times I did that before I realized that I started waking up at 3 a.m. I might have done right. that my whole life and just went, ah, and turned over. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so and isn't it, I think it's like a normal brain phenomenon to have, like, to hear loud noises in your sleep. Uh, maybe, is it? Like, I think it is. Because I, I, I do I remember... That. I wish I had done a little more research about that because I want to say it might have been a podcast that I was listening to where they interviewed a guy who set the Guinness Book of World Records for staying awake the longest. Yeah, he was like a teenager. He was like in high school and he was doing it as his uh, science fair project. Did he go crazy? Uh, He didn't go crazy. But once they heard about him, the a university in the same town wanted to study him. Like, as before, he, they wanted him to, like, come in so they could study his sleep afterwards. And he slept fine before that. Like, he was, like, a senior in high school, I think. And he slept fine before that. And he, like, broke himself. Like, he has, in the 40 years or whatever since he did this, he's not slept well. Oh. Because he like broke his brain because he was awake for 12 days or something what? ridiculous. Yeah. Most people would have an absolute break from reality. Yeah. Uh, maybe he did a little bit. But <laughs> not not to like a destructive end, but like he totally he broke his brain. I mean, you can die. Yes. You can die from Yes. That. He did it over like Christmas break. <laughs> so that he could yeah, but I mean, he slept for like 16 hours and then felt fine and has not slept well since then. Oh. Yeah, and it's so dangerous. The Guinness Book of World Records won't even cover it as a, a well, record anymore because it's, like, dangerous to your health. Yeah, it's not good. No, no. No, that's not good at all. No. So, but I think they talked about it in there, maybe. If not, somewhere else. That well, so it's, think like, about normal that. to have a... to hear loud noises. And it's funny because I remember feeling quote-unquote haunted once really yes because i was laying on my right side and the bedroom that we were in like the door to the bedroom was down a hallway but it was it was the side i was facing at okay okay so i was facing towards the side laying on my right side sleep and i dreamt 
that I opened my eyes and there was a man peeking around the corner. And when he saw me open my eyes, he stepped back. Oh, that's so creepy. (laughs) Okay, but it was the room that I was in, the same light level, the same time of day, and it startled me and I woke up. Right. But I didn't realize, I wasn't totally sure if I was dreaming or not. Okay, that does happen because you can continue to dream with your eyes open and then that kind of resets the map of where you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, like my brain fixed it. Like my brain matched whatever I was dreaming to what I was seeing. And I remember like my eyes snapping open, which I probably like blinked and (laughs) that woke me up or whatever, you know, and I was laying there listening really hard for footsteps because I wasn't sure if it was a dream or not. Mm -hmm. And then... And then I got up and pulled a piece of artwork off the wall because it was a metal piece of artwork that looked like palm fronds. And I figured that was pretty dangerous. So got up really quietly, took it off the wall and walked around my house with this thing, thinking that if I saw the man who'd been in my bedroom, that this would would hurt him pretty bad. (laughs) Thank God for 80s art deco. Wow. And I mean, I was an adult. I was like, I don't know if I had a baby in the next room or not. I don't think I did. My son was little. I think he was toddler age. Okay. At that time, because I think it was before my daughter was born. That's interesting. So as an adult. Oh, I was totally freaked out. Yeah. And I mean, he was kind of a ghostly figure, like taller than really anybody I knew and like cloaked and but. It wasn't a ghost, but I felt haunted. You do. You have this feeling. Yeah. I did dream with my eyes open one time. Ooh, really? Then, yeah. And I, my mom is the one who had to tell me that's what it was. Oh, Because good. I wasn't totally knew. sure. But I remember I had fallen asleep sitting up in my bed, kind of just reading or whatever. But this is what happened. I'm sitting up in my bed and all of a sudden I realize I'm super, super thirsty and I'm like, oh, I don't want to get up. I don't want to go downstairs. Like, I'm just, I'm too lazy for that. But I'm so thirsty. I feel like I'm just going to die. Like, what is up with that? And so, um, man comes into the room and says, I'll go, I'll go get you some water. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That's so nice of you because I'm, I don't want to get up. Oh no, it's no trouble. I'll just go anything else. No, just some water. I'll be right back. Okay. So I'm sitting there and I'm reading and whatnot. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, where is he? Where is he with that water? I just, I'm so thirsty. Where is he with that water? And about the, about, I don't know, maybe the fourth or fifth time I'm thinking, where is he with that water? I realize, who? <laughs> Wait, who is, who came in? Because it was not my daddy. Uh-huh. It was not my daddy. Yeah. And I was like, who? Who was in my room? So now I'm freaking out. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm a kid. I'm a kid at the time. So now I'm freaked out. And then I'm equally mad because I'm like, nobody's bringing me water. <laughs> you know, like, Dad, come in. I'm going to have to get up and go get water because I'm about to die. <laughs> then, uh, you know what? Your physical needs, they supersede anything. Yeah. I needed water. Yeah. And so then I went to bed. And the next morning, I'm telling mom about this. And I was like, I think a ghost came in and Aww. offered to get me water. But the dork never came back you know and she's like 
babe, you fell asleep with your eyes open. You're dreaming. But because you were awake and your eyes were kind of open, and when you opened them again, you didn't quit dreaming. And uh-huh. so it felt like yeah, an experience. It felt real life. And so uh, that makes that makes total sense. <laughs> I was like, see, there is a use for good ghosts, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long That's as they right. keep their word. Uh, yeah, unless they just leave you hanging <laughs> for your water. Leave me hanging. <laughs> And then they had, your house has unexplained temperature changes, which I'm like, hmm. <laughs> if, if all of a sudden chills go up and down your neck and the temperature seems to change, there may be a spiritual presence. Like, hmm, because I'm at an age <laughs> where... The temperature seems to change, and it can go up, and it can go down. And you know what? I have that little handy-dandy Nest thermostat app on my phone. I can look and see exactly what the temperature is in the house. You know what it is? Exactly the same temperature it was before I felt hot or cold. Right. Like, this is ridiculous. No. This is a bunch of people who don't understand and are just... they desire to believe but whatever man you know maybe your house really is haunted and if you want to communicate okay with your spirit they have suggestions yes okay they do they have three uh tell the spirit to leave yeah get out of my house you can tell them that maybe that'll fix it or maybe that'll help your brain think that you can fix it um, if you're religious, go ahead and have somebody bless the home, which that's totally fine. Have somebody bless the home. If you're not religious, if you don't think your house is haunted and you are religious and you want somebody to bless your home, have them bless your home. Bless it's home. not going to hurt. It's not that's true. Hurt. It can't hurt, right? It's not going to hurt anything. Or, you know, burn sage, which is, you know, what you see in all the movies as they, you know. What is the deal with sage? I don't know. I like sage. I like sage, too. I put it in my sweet potato souffle. Ooh, ooh, I bet it's amazing. It's really good. Mm. So, basically, I'll make sweet potato souffle for my ghost. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Nice! A bit of poison pie. (laughs) Joy joy for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had an article that said, if you're living in a haunted house, they have tips. Ooh! Yeah, because I thought, you know. Now, I get in the movie... It wasn't really the house that was haunted. It wasn't. It was Claire. Claire was haunted. And whether she was legitimately haunted by the ghost of Madison, who is the girl who disappeared, or whether she was being haunted by her own memories, doesn't really make a hill of beans a difference. She was haunted nonetheless. That's the truth. (laughs) But um, they had some suggestions. Don't be afraid. Don't. Panic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Same goes for aliens. Yeah. Just yeah. Don't don't panic. Um, there, uh, they interviewed an expert, quote unquote. <laughs> I don't know JoJo Wright, who's a DJ in Los Angeles. Is the expert is, is the person they interviewed for this article, and uh, they said uh, my dog rarely barks, but will stand in the corner staring at nothing and go crazy, which I admit is like legitimately concerning when your dog is staring at a wall or into a corner but they're dogs but they're a dog well and you don't know what they see or smell that you can't see or smell or hear 
You have no idea. I mean, there could be a mouse in the wall, and they're barking at the mouse, and you can't hear it because they have supersonic hearing, and you don't. It's true. And people say the same thing about cats, because cats will be sitting there lying perfectly still, and then they'll, like, puff up like a blowfish and then start running around crazy. But cats are weird. Yeah, well, and cats have, like... Oh, I remember reading an article about how they're, like, super sensitive. Like, that's why, you know, some cats, you can pet them and pet them and pet them forever, and they're happy. And some cats, you get, like, four pets in, and then they turn around and bite you because they're sensitive, and what felt good the first three times felt awful the fourth time, and they're cats. They're cats. They're cats. (laughs) And then um, (laughs) he said... Uh, also, take a deep breath and know that it's not going to hurt you. Unless, of course, you know, you hear threatening noises like chainsaws and th- and men screaming. Then, you know, maybe leave the house. And their suggestion was, if you think there's a harmful spirit inside your home, call the police or your friends or perhaps a priest. Okay, I'm thinking the police are not going to be real happy to hear from you at 3.30 in the morning saying there's a ghost in your house. No, I don't think that went over well for anybody who's ever tried that. I would suggest not calling the police. I would suggest get up, go to the bathroom, get a drink of water, maybe turn on some lights if you're feeling creeped out, and go back to bed. Yeah. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I don't, I don't, I don't think the police are going to want to hear from you at the witching hour at 3.15. No! <laughs> no! They've got better things to do First of all, they've already the placed a bet that night to see what wacko is going to call, and somebody you are making somebody win the lottery that night. <laughs> So don't be that guy, you know, but also I feel like, does this really bear an article? Okay. Well, all right. I know it's around Halloween. So I thought it'd be fun to talk well, about Well, it is kind of fun, but I feel like, I feel like this guy, I don't know. I don't, I don't so much yeah. like this guy. Yeah. How about you? That's a DJ on a radio, like <laughs> trying to, trying to get people to listen. <laughs> I'm thinking this is where we're at with this. Okay. That's so, fair. So tip number two, stay in control. So there was a lady named uh, Cindy DeVore, and she lived in Broad Run, Virginia. And she said, for a while, we had a serious problem with the mudroom door located in the most recent 1800 section of the house. During the first winter in the house, I came home at least three or four times to find the mudroom door completely open, blowing in from cold air from the outside. The first couple of times it happened, I was very afraid that someone had broken into the house. But that was never the case. 
So she called the people who lived there before and said, hey, did this ever happen to you? And they were like, yeah, always during the worst storms of winter. You know, to take care of it, she went and purchased a deadbolt and that stopped it. Interesting. Interesting. So I'm thinking if the ghost can turn the knob and open the door, that's probably the deadbolt's probably not a, a much more of a challenge. Yeah, that's very interesting. So I'm really thinking that mm-hmm. it was, you know, just a door that didn't close very well. And when it got cold, then whatever, you know, the it shrunk. The door casing shrunk and the doors flew open because yeah. it was windy. It was windy. It was windy. It's, it's windy. It's windy, people. Come on. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, then uh, our old friend JoJo's back again for tip number three. Research your ghost. <laughs> Facebook stalk him. <laughs> Facebook stalk your ghost. <laughs> um, and he found, he researched his area because he was the only person who'd lived in that house and knew it because they built the house in the neighborhood and it was 10 years old and they were the only people that had ever lived there. So it wasn't like, but, oh, but then they found that there was a flood that had killed people many years ago. Okay, well, that doesn't mean they're haunting where they died. Not so much, and for that matter, well, then there's people everywhere because. Well, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's nearly 8 billion people in the world right now, and that doesn't count all the people who've been here before. Somebody's pretty much died on almost every inch of the earth. Right. Yeah, so that we're not all haunted is maybe the real mystery. <laughs> Uh, tip number four, talk to your ghosts. Oh, see? Okay. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah, exactly. Speak aloud to the ghosts. Uh, don't be afraid to tell them no. Chat with them like they're a roommate. Ooh, see? Okay. I see. And they I could have interviewed me. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I would totally go there. That yeah. sounds good. I like that one. Um, okay. And then the final tip, number five, be appreciative because not everybody gets this experience. Okay, so not everybody. That is that is one way to look at it. It is well. I have to say those tips were very entertaining. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't know how helpful they were. I don't know that they were very helpful, but um, <laughs> but they were very entertaining. Um, so I do have a favorite haunted house. You do. I do. Okay. So have you ever heard of the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California? No. <gasps> it's fantastic. I went as a teenager. Okay. Okay, so when I was a kid, we had a motorhome for a while while I was a teenager, which even at the time seemed like a terrible idea to want to be like cooped up with your bratty, unhappy to be there teenager for three or four weeks in the summer and 32 feet of trailer. Yeah, that it is. I feel like a lot of tension. Yeah, would be I, the word. It was fine. It really, it wasn't that bad. Okay, I mean, well, that's I, good. I generally got along okay with my parents, and I always knew it was coming and made the best of it. And then they did nice things like hand me the book of RV parks that we could stay at and let me pick. So oh, I always see? picked one with full showers and a pool. Nice, because I wanted a shower and I wanted to go swimming. Because it was hot in the middle of the summer. So it turned out to not be too tense. Yeah, it was, it was fine. It was fine. I, I don't have any desire to go take my own children in an RV vacation. So it wasn't, it was great, but it, not something you want to pass on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair. I was probably 15 or 16 
and we were in California, and I happened to be looking uh, at like a things to do guide. I don't even remember exactly how it came up, or maybe we'd stopped at a like a visitor center or something. Oh, and got some of the pamphlets. Yeah, I got some of the pamphlets, and I'm like, look at this thing. It's in San Jose. It's called the Winchester Mystery House. Can we go? And so my parents took me, which is a little maybe unlike them. Like, they weren't ones to really deviate off the plan so much. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's kind of one of the bonuses of having an RV and retired parents in the summer that, you know, you could stop and you could take a day more or push through and have a day less and it would be fine. So we went. So Sarah Winchester, poor woman, she was very, very smart. She spoke four languages and played three instruments. Very smart. Very well to do. Her husband was William Wirt Winchester, who found Chess- who founded Winchester Rifles. Oh, okay. Yeah, you've heard of Winchester well, of Rifles. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she, they lived on the East Coast. She worked with her husband in the business, helping him. And they had a child who passed away. And she was very sad. And then her husband passed away. And she was very sad. And so she went into mourning and for the rest of her life wore black. And That's such a sad story. It was it's really sad. And she not only was so sad, she couldn't even stay on the East Coast. She moved as far west as she could go, which was San, San Jose. San Jose. And started building this house. Rumor has it she was uh, not in her right mind because from the time she started building that house for the next 38 years, there was someone working on the house 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What? Adding on to it and doing stuff. <laughs> what? Yeah. So the people who now work at her home, because it's a tourist attraction, you can go and see her crazy huge home that's gigantic and very interesting and uh they say she was really just grieving and had a lot of money and this is how she dealt with it and other people say that it was because she was haunted by the ghosts who of everyone who'd been killed by winchester rifles and that she was building continuously onto her house so that the ghosts couldn't find her okay See that part of the story? Does that make is that bring sounds like a familiar story? Okay. Well, they made a movie. Okay. That came out like in February of this year. That was apparently terrible with Helen Mirren. Okay. Yes, I think I saw a trailer for this. Yeah, I bet you did. It got like fourteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, well, why was it so bad? I love Helen Mirren. I love Helen Mirren too. But I, I don't know. I was like, oh, maybe I need to go watch this. Maybe this would be fun. And I, I was like. Fourteen percent on. I don't listen to them. I don't. I I don't know. I watched the trailer too, and it was like it was. It kind of looked like jump scares mostly. Oh. Which I'm more, I want a psychological thriller, like What Lies Beneath. I want fewer jump scares and more like... You know, story? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, and while they... Okay, so the people who work there claim that she was just grieving, but... I'm going to quote from this article. The real Sarah Winchester was aware how 
her building project look to outsiders. In a 1906 letter she wrote after an earthquake destroyed a third of her work, she confessed that the house looked like a crazy person built it. It's unclear whether Winchester was actually taking her building directions from quote-unquote spirits as legend would have it. What was true was that she held occasional nighttime seances in an eerie peaked turret in the house known as the witch's cap and would deliver new building plans to her foreman in the morning. That's interesting. Yeah. I am intrigued. Yeah. It's fascinating. So there's all kinds of weird stuff. Like there's sets of stairs that go up to a ceiling. Like if you took them up, you would hit your head like five steps from the top of the stairs and doors that they have to keep locked because they go out to the outside because they go out to the outside on an upper floor okay see i'm thinking who gets all the money from all this tourism is it her family she no she didn't have any family like nothing nobody and no no work's been done on it other than like upkeep since Since she she died. died yeah which was quite some time ago that's so interesting Yeah, like the 1920s is when she passed away yeah, then there's rooms that ha- that are completely furnished but don't have any doors. So, like, before they put the last wall up of the room, they completely furnished it and decorated it and did everything. And then they put the last wall up. So, how do we get to see them? Do no. They cut them? Oh, no. We just know they're there. We just know that they're there. And, like, you couldn't. Someone who worked there, they're not going to let you climb up a ladder and peek in the windows, but they have people who have climbed up the ladders and peeked in the windows and have seen all of the, that it's a furnished room. Does nobody get to go in there and like dust? And so is it like all cobwebby now? I bet it's all cobwebby. I bet it probably is. (laughs) That's horrible. It's just little tiny spiders. I hate spiders. I hate, I hate, I hate. I'm a little arachnophobic. Oh. And then, and then my husband makes fun of me because he's thinking, well, they're just little little creatures. Why are you afraid of a spider and not a roach? And I'm like, you know what? There's a reason why spider is like the mascot of Halloween, okay? <laughs> I just feel like that validates me. Okay. You know? That's oh, fair. I hate spiders. Yeah. And I hate cobwebs. Oh. oh. Yeah. yeah. Halloween's a little difficult. Uh, I imagine so. I'm I have really left sorry. restaurants. You know, I have left restaurants. I walked into Chester's over uh-huh. you know not far from from where we are right now and uh-huh. i walked in and they had decorated with cobwebs and spiders on the ceiling and i made a u-turn and the whole family walked in after wow. me and went oh okay see i didn't know that i'd have taken down the gigantic spider that i have outside my I'm, front door i'm ignoring it okay i'm ignoring it but okay. I, my eyes are on it <laughs> like i know it's there <laughs> okay. see and that's my favorite one because he looks like a little bit like a giant version of the cute little jumpy spiders <sighs> And you're like, there's no such thing as a cute spider. Uh, <laughs> I can see that in your face. <laughs> Not at all. No, I have ones I hate worse. Okay. Oddly enough, garden spiders are the ones I hate the most. Yeah. The one they they are not round. And that is so creepy. Oh. <laughs> I don't I don't like how they're they're elongated and oh. it just <laughs> makes me so mad. We had garden spiders at our other house when my kids were small, and we named them Banshee and Harpy, and we'd go out and feed them bugs. <laughs> and I know people do this, and I think I think I'm I know that I'm not normal, but I just can't. <laughs> I think that's perfect. I think that a healthy fear of spiders 
is perfectly normal. Well, and I, I did grow up in Georgia, where there's yeah. a lot of really poisonous ones. I, and then lived in the swamp area, Okefenokee, where you do have to be kind of aware. And so, like, my husband, he came down from New England to South Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so, one day, I saw a spider, and I ran. Because, well, that's what I do. Right. And he thought, I'll take care of it. But I didn't have time to explain, don't touch the spider, because it was a brown recluse. <gasps> oh! And see, and I knew it on sight. Okay. And ran out to get my composure before I had to go take care of this. Right. But he just wanted to flick it off the wall. And I'm screaming from outside, it's a brown recluse. <laughs> and, um, you know, because I didn't know if he was allergic or not. He wouldn't have known. He's never been bit. And it's bad enough without being allergic. So. Right. Well, Helen Mirren, I guess, spent some time in the house before they filmed or while they were filming. I don't know if they filmed it there or not, but I'm in agreement with her here. She said, if it is haunted, I feel it is haunted by something very benign. I feel sort of great, a sweetness in the house, not a horror. There's a sweetness in it. If it's haunted, it's haunted by something sweet. Oh, see, I love Helen Mirren. Yeah, me too. And... I would agree. I felt totally comfortable in the house, despite the fact that there's like the number 13 everywhere. Like there'll be 13 steps and 13 in a, they have them in churches. Stained glass. (laughs) They'll have like the number 13 in stained glass. And there's 13 of all kinds of weird stuff. So I was like, yeah, Eh, it's interesting, but it never felt and of course, I was there in the middle of the day, and there were a zillion people there. That and does take the edge off of yeah, it. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's hard to feel haunted when there's, you know, 800 other people in this house because it's big enough that you could have tours of like six or eight tours going at once of 20 to 30 people. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm like, I really want to take my kids sometime. Yeah, that sounds so fun. It was so fun. I haven't been since I was a teenager, but I loved it and remembered it. And I think I went on the tour alone. I think my parents didn't want to go. And I think I went on it by myself. That's so fun. But it was awesome. And I mean, like a little tiny weird narrow stairs and you go up and down and around and they point out stuff and they talk about well I was here you know after hours and I saw that room doesn't have any wind have any doors and I've seen shadows go across it and I'm like there's a lot of weird stuff you can't explain (laughs) that's true but also it makes great tour fodder yeah it really does I think you know you take it all with a grain of salt. Well, and that's the entertainment of it. Well, it is. It is. It is. It is. It's kind of fun. So tell me your impressions of Norman in this movie. We've talked a fair bit about Claire and that she may have had a little bit of psychosis and separation. And obviously she was very, she'd blocked out something. Well, I have to say, so I can talk about Norman, but I have to say something about Claire. Okay. Is I kind of love the fact that the movie painted her out to be a a little, well, crazy. Uh Uh-huh. Right? It kind of paints this story, but she's right. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just kind of was like, that's what I think made me so an ally of hers. Because I started to realize she's right. Yeah. She is remembering something and I started rooting for her to get it faster. Yeah. You know, and then Norman, I couldn't figure out whether whether he was a kind-hearted husband who had really screwed up 
Yeah. And that that mistake was what was haunting her or whether he was just evil. Yeah. And he played that so close to the vest. Yeah. It was a really, it was a fine line, you know, like he knew that she had known and that's what caused her accident like a year prior. And she, she had forgotten and he knew, he realized that she forgotten and went on. And so that's actually what made me think that Norman was okay. Because even though that's a horrible, awful thing to do and nobody should ever do that, it made me think, okay, well, if he was involved with his mistress's disappearance, I don't know that he would continue his life like that on the on the hope that she really had just forgotten. Right. It seems more like he's just hoping that it's a second chance. And so he slowly reveals a little bit, but not much. And all of a sudden at the end, he makes that just switch. Mm-hmm. Well... I re- and I remember seeing it the first time. They, she goes, she's freaked out in the house, and she goes to his lab, and they're studying some sort of anesthetizing chemical. Right, and so they have the, the sedative, the nerve right. agent. Yes, yes. And I was like, we're seeing this for a reason. Absolutely. And I really was like... I, I, that's when I started to distrust him. And I remember distrusting him from the first time I saw the movie from that point on, even though nothing else revealed it at that point, but you just kind of had this intuition, Yeah, a little bit of intuition. And then he kept sending her to the psychiatrist and he kept like getting angry with her. Like rather than being sympathetic, he was pretty angry about stuff. It's kind of a common reaction because it's like when you live with somebody who's starting to do that, you do kind of wonder, are they doing this on purpose? So he says to her, okay, are you trying to get my attention? Oh, like, are you trying to astute? And so I felt like, well, there's a reason why he's angry because he kind of feels like her empty nest situation is starting to manifest and she's starting to want attention and then he kind of blames her and she, he says you poured it all into her it was all about the daughter it was never about me uh-huh. and so well and that like made me see a little bit too because i'm like he was jealous of his stepdaughter their entire marriage he was and so that's when i started to think maybe he had definitely cheated mm-hmm. but that i didn't get at that time a real mm-hmm. good impression that that he was going to sedate her with this nerve agent uh-huh. and like torture her. Yeah. Drowned her in a bath. I mean, there's a lot easier ways to kill people, but that is just, just completely sadistic. Well, and I wonder had he succeeded, wouldn't that have been made him a serial killer? It would have. No yes. Way. Because there was more than one murder with a cooling quote unquote cooling off period. Right. Although in this case, he's personally motivated. He it, well, that doesn't necessarily mean he's not a serial killer. But to protect, but himself. it makes but me it wonder, still always makes me wonder what haven't they told us about Norman? Oh, that's interesting. Mm. That is interesting. You know, because obviously he has a mo. He he does, and a bit and of a signature. Yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. onto something here yeah. with this. Well, and I wonder if there's maybe something else we hadn't been told because he drowned Madison. He tried to drown. Claire, mm-hmm. you know, hmm, that's interesting. I have an article talks about uh, serial killers and what kind of uh, 
killing they mostly do. We like to think, you know, you think of like Dexter and, you know, dismembers them and whatever. And there's a lot of serial killers in that. And all of them are pretty much creative, creative people. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Actually, the vast majority of serial killers shoot their victims and followed not really even that closely, like 43% shoot 21, almost 22% strangle not quite 15% stab. So it gets more and more rare. Yeah. And, you know, bludgeoned, axed, poisoned, you know, 0.2% of serial killers run over their victims hmm. with a car. Yeah, that seems like a really difficult way to have yeah, to kill people. Yeah, it really seems like you're going to get caught the first time, which would make it harder for you to become a serial killer in the first place. Well, so how many actually try and don't ever become a serial killer because they get caught the first time? Oh, mm. interesting. So I always wonder if there wasn't more victims because he seemed a little too comfortable with the drowning a little too good at it a little boy you're really getting on to something mm-hmm. here because i i definitely felt because it was a personal motivation to protect himself that it has had to do with with a necessity and so he just didn't have character and he was just a murderer mm-hmm. but i never really put it together well we when we think of serial killers we mostly think of them as people who kill for the joy of killing they have some sort of sadistic nature about them and the most famous ones that's very often how it is but the people who fit the actual criteria of a serial killer yes most of them are motivated by enjoy enjoyment but almost as many so it's like almost 32 percent who kill for enjoyment just over 30 percent kill for a financial gain interesting Mm -hmm. So, like, that woman who, like, poisons husband after husband because she's trying to get... The Black Widow. Yeah, the Black Widow. Yes, exactly. So, and then, you know, anger and gang activity, though they think that uh, financial gain and anger might be overblown a little bit because they might actually be part of gang activity but that's not how it's being reported oh okay yeah so, i can see that but even still that's like, very interesting i never really thought about the fact but you're absolutely right because he he so first of all he had he had the chemical on hand yes yes like he was he was waiting for this he knew it was gonna happen i'm gonna have it on hand just in case because she's going to find it. Uh-huh. Well, because she went down to the water. Uh-huh. He knew exactly what she was about to find. Uh-huh. Which means, A, he believed what was going on with her. Right. Whether or not he believed that he, she was actually being haunted by his mistress. Right. He absolutely believed that she was being driven crazy by this repressed memory. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And so he knew what she was going to find. He didn't go down there to save her. No, he went to keep her from finding it. But she saw it. Yeah. Remember, she saw that box. And mm-hmm. so then... So he had it on hand. He was, he knew he was just waiting for an opportune moment. He was, and you know, that's why he sent her to the psychiatrist was to make sure that when she went through and he murdered her and made it look like a suicide, that it would be believably a suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that that's why 
he drowned her, drowned Madison and put her in the car was because he wanted it to look like she had killed herself over being spurned by her lover. Absolutely. Well, and there's something to be said about the about the premeditation of using somebody and setting it up for them to look Ooh. like they're the crazy ones. Ooh. And isn't that just what you're most scared of? Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like you're the only sane one? And then you realize, I don't know, am I the crazy one in this situation? Or am I kind of the sane one? And there's a little bit of a... I don't know, like freak out mode. Well, and I think he's like playing a mind game with her too. He's totally making her think that there's something wrong in her brain. And there was nothing wrong in her brain other than the fact that she couldn't remember this memory. Yeah, she had a TBI. That's what she had. And (laughs) he totally did. He made it think her think that she was wrong, that all of these things were... Ooh. And that, you know, I think we think of serial killers as smart... And very often, you know, that's like, it's, that's what makes them so scary. And so I was like, are serial killers really smart? And, um, it depends on the kind of murderer, whether they're smart or not. Okay. So impulsive murderers tend to be less intelligent, which makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they get angry like Tuco in Breaking Bad, who accidentally pummels his cohort to death it was an impulsive move right yeah he just lost it yeah he just lost it Mm -hmm. for like no good reason and then calculated killers tend to be smart which would fit norman's character because he was a professor a researcher at a university yeah and they said that he was brilliant they talked about how brilliant he was yeah i wondered how dupont felt about the character because they kept talking about how he was the dupont fellow of whatever university which i don't even remember they kept kept saying it i'm like did they pay to be in this (laughs) and why would they pay to be in this and have him be the bad guy i know that seems kind of weird they're not are they not i don't think i realized that hold on i'm processing that's fine I don't think I realized that that was the same DuPont. I was thinking they're two different things. Oh, maybe they are two different things. I don't know, but the name is the name, and so The name's the name. You would think like... Ooh, I just had a thought. Oh, what's that? Serial killer. I wonder if that cute little blonde next door, when she confesses to Claire that she's afraid, was afraid (gasps) of Claire's husband, not her own. That could be. Like, what if that's why she was really upset? Is because she was approached and realized what was going on. And and she didn't want to tell Claire because she didn't want to put Claire in danger. And so then it's all crazy. And she then has to explain herself. And so she gives this story about, have you ever loved someone so much? And kind of talks about the passionate love. But, you know, we saw Norman and Claire kind of fighting over what to do to protect the neighbor girl. Right. And Norman was like, uh, leave her alone. I don't yeah. think so. And you don't want to get involved in other people's personal problems. No, when what? what he means is I don't want you to be talking to her and find out that I'm creepy as all get out. Right. What if the other couple was fighting about them? <gasps> Woo. Ooh. Yeah. Because you never really hear what they're fighting about. They're just arguing. Yeah. They're just arguing. Weird. That's very interesting. Hmm. Well, and it makes sense that Norman would use a paralytic 
that he was researching because these smartest serial killers prefer bombs and the next smartest prefer poison over other methods. So anybody who's above average intelligence is likely going to use a bomb or, or poison. People of average to low intelligence will strangle, stab, shoot, bludgeon. Okay, I have more a question. physical things. Yeah. What if the stronger jock type serial killers uh-huh. are the ones that are less intelligent? Uh-huh. And that's why they're able to stab, shoot, oh. and bludgeon because they're they're beefy. You know, we kind of yeah. have the stereotype yeah. of the dumb jock, right? Yeah. But if a dumb jock's gonna be a serial killer, well he's the one. But smart people tend to be stereotyped as being kind of skinny, not yeah. super physically agile, mm. so they'll have to be Build smarter. Bombs and use poison. poison. Ooh fascinating interesting fascinating somebody research that and post it for yeah, us yeah hmm. yeah research it so i don't have to <laughs> <laughs> um i did like the the end josh didn't like the end my husband he didn't he thought it was hokey when the claire or not claire madison when madison floats up from the from the car that they just happen to end up in the water next to you know, because all of these things happen for specific reasons. Movies, you know. Movies. They well, get, they get she sees help. Madison as a ghost. Right. And so she swerves to not That's hit her. That's true. And then that points her down the ramp. Right. Yes. So there's that paranormal. There's Yeah, there's that little bit of paranormal. And then, you know, Madison floats up and grabs on to Norman and holds him underwater so that he can let go of Claire and Claire can escape, but also so that he for sure drowns. Mm-hmm. And my husband didn't like that part, but that was kind of my favorite part was that she <laughs> came back from, she came back from the grave to like, make sure she had her vengeance. Yep. Yeah. Allies. Yeah. She was the, she was Claire's ally. I appreciated that. Yeah, I did too. It was good. And that was the only part really that would make it uh, not go in line with, it wasn't Claire being haunted the whole time that it was Claire's own memories that were causing her to behave this way. They were manifesting in a being haunted right. situation. Because in this situation, Claire was trying to swim and right. now we've got this Well, but I guess ghost. it could have been, it could have been Norman's psychosis. That's true. You know, he knew that that's where it was and sees it and in a almost already drowned state he would then see it. So I guess you could explain it away that way. But it was a fun paranormal sort of... It was a good movie. Like, I I was entertained by it. It was, you know, I was totally jealous of the house. Yeah. Oh, the house was Big reminder to have bath mats in your bathroom. Yes. Bathrooms are slippery. You can die. Bathrooms are slippery. Get a bath mat. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. It was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I would recommend it. It's definitely a good... It's not too challenging... A movie to watch. No, but there's a lot to talk about but, with it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's not overly challenging. You don't have to like. I mean, I took pages and pages of notes, which I then didn't refer to, but help me remember things in the movie. You don't have to do that to be able to just w- sit down and watch it and enjoy and it. And it was fun. There's a, a jump scare or two, not that many. There's a Ouija board, which is always fun around Halloween. Well, it was a really funny scene. Yeah, it was really funny. I loved the friend. Yeah. But, you know, here's the thing is I think that's the type of movie you can watch over and over again uh-huh. because you'll catch little things, I think. Yeah, that you didn't catch before. Yeah. Little things. Yeah. My husband didn't like that. He already knew what was going to happen, but... 
Well, whatever, man. I get you don't it. have to watch it again. I enjoyed it fine, and I, you know, he watched it with me once, so I can appreciate that. There you go. Yep. So next time we're gonna do a hometown murder. How fun! Yeah, I think this is gonna be really fun. That we're gonna tell each other a hometown murder, and I'm doing San Antonio or surrounding area of San Antonio, and you're doing Atlanta. I'm gonna do well. I think I'm gonna go closer to my real hometown, which is Stone Mountain. Okay. Okay. So yes, Georgia. So then we know for sure that we won't overlap our murderers. So we'll get to learn a little bit about interesting stuff that happened. Hopefully a long time ago. <laughs> Those are my my preferred ones. I don't want to hear about recent no. murderers because that makes me feel like sad and insecure. It's too soon. <laughs> yeah. It's too soon it's, to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mine's pretty old. I'm excited and ready to look forward to it. Oh, so I'm if a- any of you guys are uh, fans of my favorite murder, which you might be because I post about this podcast and my favorite murder groups to you know, help promote the show. Welcome to uh, SA Town Murderinos and my favorite Muck Duck, which is maybe one of the best groups on the entire internet. It's, they're such a great group of people. So yeah, it's going to be like that, but with less cursing. So, or no cursing. So, you know, whereas my favorite murder you need to listen to in headphones uh, you might not want to listen to it with your kids because, you know, murder but uh, this is probably one of the more murdery ones we'll do. It'll be one of the more murdery ones that we do for sure. But there won't be any uh, foul language. Yeah, so, we, we keep it nice and yeah, clean. Yeah, yeah. mostly, yeah. mostly. Yeah, maybe uh, mature themes, but not mature language. There you go. Yeah. So we hope that you'll join us and you know tell a friend. And if you have a hometown murder or have watched What Lies Beneath or done something else that you think we're going to think is cool, do find us on social media. It's Killer Fun Pod on Twitter at Killer Fun Pod. You can email us at killerfunpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook at Killer Fun Podcast, exploring the intersection of crime and entertainment. So. Yes, so find us, talk to us, share yeah. with us. Let us know, and maybe we'll give you a nice shout out on the pod. That'd be fun. All right. All right. Thank you we'll so much. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye bye.